Cherry, and we are live here for the very first time in 2021. Okay, hi everybody. The Sanctuary Radio this Show. This is Wendy Cherry, and we are... So, welcome. We have been through a lot since the last time that we've seen each other, and we have a lot of good information tonight. We are moving towards our one year anniversary of being on lockdown. And so that's a little, that's a lot, that's a lot. And so what I wanted to do was to have some experts on to talk about what does that look like for us? What does, um, you know, many of us have lost lots of things. We've lost, we've lost people. And I'm saying that we also have a delay in the opportunities that we have had. I'm not saying we've lost any opportunities because we don't want to say that. I'm, what I'm going to say is that they will come back and they'll be better. But life has changed as we knew it. And um, that's painful. And, and that's scary. And there's a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, there's also a lot of opportunity. So what I want to do is to give the ladies an opportunity to go onto their Facebook pages and to share this. I'm going to do the same. So give us a second and then we'll get right to it. All right. Well, please, this is going to be a great show as always. Again, welcome to the sanctuary. We haven't been here in a while and we are... You know, just excited to be here to share this information because I have definitely been feeling a certain kind of a way and, um, you know, just wanted to get some tools. So let me share to my page, to my own page that we're live. And if you um, have any questions, then please feel free to ask. Uh, let's see, of course, my thing won't let me share. Hold on. So, let me share to my page, to my own. Share to a page, share to my page, okay. I'm not sure why it's not letting me share to my page, but we're gonna figure it out. So just give us a second, this is important. So we just want to make sure that we uh, give you everything that you need and everybody can see what they need. Okay. So um, Tamika and Erica, welcome to the sanctuary. Thank you. Uh, this is the Sanctuary Radio Show. And here we talk about all different types of things and um, we have been talking about uh, the coronavirus since the beginning. Like I, I talked about it since the beginning um, because I, I realized there was something amiss. There was something going on. And um, I saw it as an opportunity for people to kind of um, tap into themselves, to get quiet. These are things that I was doing anyway. So it really didn't come as a surprise to me. And then I also had been working from home for nine years before everybody else started working from home. So I did like how to not strangle your boo and your babe when you come home 
when you bring all the computers home, we talked about <laughs> immunity and vitamin D. We talked mm -hmm. about all these different things. And dagnabbit, if we ain't about to hit March again, mm -hmm. where it will be the first anniversary, the first year anniversary of this whole lockdown and pandemic happening. So uh, Tamika and Erica, I would like for you to first to share who you are and what you do. And then secondly, I would like for you to um, talk about like maybe what you've been doing since the pandemic and how you've been preserving your own peace at this time. Erica, I'll let you go. Okay. So good evening, everyone. Glad you can make space for us in your space tonight. Um, my name is Erica Phillips. Um, who I am is comprised of all the things that I love, um, which is music and outdoors and meditation and my family and all of that. Um, what I do is I'm a mental health therapist and a motivational coach and consultant. Um, in regards to what I've been doing in terms of just keeping my sanity and the movement, all these moving parts, um, it's just really leaning into, really leaning into how I'm feeling, um, just day by day, moment by moment, and then leaning into the things that make me feel good, that bring me joy, those characteristics, the part of who I am, trying to stay connected and in touch re with remembering those parts of myself. Wow. Wonderful. So good evening, everyone. Hello, Facebook. My name is Tamika Tunsil. Um, I am a licensed psychotherapist. I am also a clinical supervisor for a team of therapists. And this certainly has been a interesting year. Uh, who I am, I would say has changed a lot since this pandemic. This, this forced pause has really had me to stop and look at my identity that was often wrapped in what I do and who I serve and what organizations I'm in and what I do for friends, family, and, and all of that. And I had to stop and adjust and realize that I needed to do some, some self-check on who Tamika is and what that looks like when she doesn't have all that going on. When I'm not running around, <laughs> doing, 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 um, which I enjoy doing, but when I'm not doing that and I'm forced to, to stop for whatever reason, um, that was a shock for me. Like, okay, what, what now? So um, a lot of that has happened this year for me, um, including um, just figuring out, figuring this whole thing out, right? Um, as an essential staff, I still had to go in and then uh, we were able to uh, transition to a hybrid model. So trying to figure that out and remain safe and then just, just take care of myself in, in the process. And I realized that how I was doing that looks very different now. And I know we're gonna have that discussion tonight, but how I was doing that and what I was doing looks very different and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Not necessarily a bad thing. For me, I was just um, launching a book. I had just released my book and I was on a tour. I had just come back from, so we're talking about grieving and grieving the bygone, our bygone lives. Mm -hmm. Now, my life was fine before this. 
there always was room for improvement. I feel like I could always have something better, but I was pretty content and grateful and everything with what was happening at the time. And um, had just finished Atlanta, LA and Richmond. And while we were in Richmond on this book tour, everybody was talking about this virus that's in China, right? But I think maybe a few cases had happened here. This was the end of February. This is Black History Month, around this time probably. Mm. And then my whole calendar of March was totally filled, mm. including an opportunity to be featured at the Kennedy Center. So I was like, look, Ma, I made it. But Verona, because that week of that event is when everything shut down. I was actually booked every single day of the week and the weekend that March 13, 15, 16 timeframe shut down. Mm. So as time went on and I started to realize that we weren't going anywhere and everything was drying up and everybody was canceling and nobody felt safe. It also was sort of like a, a a grieving process that I had to go through because it's like who, you know, like you're just starting to catch momentum and then you're going out there. But then I realized it was the whole world, like television production shut down, the Olympics shut down, the class of 2020, their their um, school year school year was like shut down. So then I started to realize it was um, this societal grief that we mm. were experiencing. So can we talk about what we're talking about is trauma because we are all traumatized mm -hmm. on some level. Now, I'm not sure if everybody realizes that they're traumatized, but on some level, you know, whether you've lost parents or grandparents or loved ones or spouses or um, you lost opportunities at that moment or whatever, we're all grieving. Mm -hmm. And so, can you explain to us sort of like what the traumas look like and maybe what they're called and what some of how they, everybody exhibits differently, but maybe some of the feelings that we could be feeling in our bodies that would let us know that we are holding in anxiety and we are traumatized. Anybody can take the question. Right. You want me to start? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. Um, you know, I think, um, cause I know what we're trying to, be very conversational about this. Um, people think grief and they associate that with what we know to be like primary loss, right? Loss of a loved one, major life life event and stuff. But we don't think about secondary losses like uh, what's happening now. You know, a change in routine, um, loss of connections, social connections, those, those secondary losses um, that we're all experiencing that we're experiencing as major now, but people typically look like, you know, if I lose a few friends or if I disconnect with family or I can't go to this event or I can't go to this um, location or to the library as often or to the park as often, you know, okay. But now that we can't, like can't before just because it was hard to fit in the routine, but now that we can't, you know, or we couldn't before things are changing a little bit now. That is trauma. That's trauma for a lot of people, especially if you, your identity was wrapped in or influenced by what you did, who you surrounded yourself with, the connections you have. Because when we think identity, right, most people think about, or when we think about things that we're losing, you think about, um, the major stuff, as, as I mentioned, you don't think about these other things that make up 
who you are. Like Erica, even when you introduced yourself, it was, you know, hearing all the things that you like to do and your family and all of that. And, and I could, you know, say many of the same. When we are stopped from our being able to experience those things, then that's trauma. That's grief. It's a loss, right? So it's not just the death of someone or some major life event. It's any change that impacts our routine and, and impacts our identity and who, who we are, right? So now we have to contend with that. What, what do we do now that things look different and we may not be able to, for a little while, go back to the things that we knew that was our identity before, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, you know, and then, I mean, you know, there's shock, there's anger, there's denial, there's the physical stuff, reaction, stress, anxiety, um, you know, all the things that you can think of and you recognize when you have some major loss in event and now you're, you're experiencing it on some other level. Why is the fact that I can't go to work stressing me out or, um, you know, that type of thing, but it's a change in, in your identity, something that you were influenced by. And then when you have no control of it. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting because my mom, you know, my mom doesn't listen, so she ain't going <laughs> to talk about her. But um, my mom is an intro extrovert. Like she likes to be in her little space, but she will be out and about and having her good old time. But now that she can't. Yeah. She's have she's very isolated. So oh, visceral reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, like when you can't do something because somebody right. says you can't do something, that's a whole different ball game. And so right. for us, we didn't see my mom from December of Christmas of 20, I guess it was 19, 2019. Yeah. Until September. And we pretty much bum rushed her in September because mm you know, the line that was in the sand for me was July, which is her birthday. We always go to Jersey in July. We yeah. always celebrate her birthday. We always go see my siblings and my friends. When that didn't happen, I you think- You were ready I to flip the table. Up. Yeah, I was like balled up, getting a little self-soothing with my thumb in my mouth, like what? Right. But by right. September, I was like, we coming. We 95 South, right. 95 right. You know, we and your, your brain went from zero to 10, catastrophizing that one time to we'll never be able to do this again. Because that's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom is a little bit older. And so I'm a, yeah. I was afraid, like, am I going to see my mom again? This is like, yeah. let's just go for it. We going. Because yeah. you know what's going to happen. So I, I kind of chuckle at her. So my daughter has done two surprise, just stand on grandma's steps. One on oh. Christmas Day and one on Valentine's Day. From down here, she went to Jersey and she just did it. Cause we need to see her. She's not a video person. But mm. that, I, I'm realizing that it's causing a lot of like pain for me because I'm used to seeing my mom. Mm. You know, occasionally when we go up there for the holidays, but to not be able to see her cause she's like, stay away. Yeah. She like, stay away. And so, that's another level of grief. So I know that in trauma, I know that I hold the grief and trauma in my cheeks. Mm -hmm. I have ground out my teeth. You know, I wear a night guard now, but I hold all of the stress. When I know I'm stressed, it's in my neck, it's in my shoulders. And then I get real stiff and I have to always catch myself. So that's kind of like an example of how, you know, I'm managing it or holding it in my body. So Erica, what do you think? Yeah. I think you guys hit on what this collective experience has been. Mm -hmm. 
this grief and mourning process has been about a power and control mm-hmm. situation, right? It's one thing to make the decision that I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z, or I don't feel like it or whatever. It's another thing to have that power and control taken away from you. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part that collectively a lot of people are having a challenging time with swallowing. Um, you hit the nail on the head to make it by saying just grieving the loss of identity. Grief surpasses beyond just death. It's right. lost relationships mm. it's of, um, you know, employment mm-hmm. is of the ability to move the way that you want to move. It's all of those things. Um, and so then if not addressed, right, it just sits with you. Trauma, we talk about trauma stays stored in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you avoid something, you resist it, it persists. So I think this has been a season where a lot of people are confronted with a lot of things um, in their life. Um, right. Yeah, a lot of things are revealed to you because we were all kind of put in this collective timeout. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, the other day I was describing on social media, feeling like being grounded back in the day when I was a kid, like, can I go outside and play with my friends now? Like, I'm tired of being, you know, in the right. house. Um, and so I think that is, you know, those are the things that is hard to swallow. I know for me personally, what has been revealed um, like big time, it's such a vulnerable space is the parenting piece. Um, mm. I realize within this where my strengths lie as a mom and where my weaknesses lie as a mom. And what do I do with that? Because the weaknesses were blown all up in my right. face. But I was just like, I'm not the mother that this 24-7, but the perception and the collectively using a society is that, you know, as a mom, you should be available 24-7, you know, for your children. But then where is the space for you to recoup? And so I, the activity, the planner, like we're traveling, we're destination, we're, we're going to go yesterday because it was so nice. We threw everything to the wind, took a couple of chunk of hours went hiking over on Roosevelt Island in DC. Like those are the things that I do. And the house I tend to, I realize was revealed to me as a mom, want to retreat and that's my space and time to recoup. And it flip-flop. My husband is the one that he's good with them, like in the house. In the house, I'm like, hands off. If I'm not in session with clients, like I kind of want to, you know, just yeah. retreat forward. But that can't, I had to find... Well, not fine. I'm still working through that, trying to figure out that. So I was going to say, tell me the answer then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still working on that. But I think various things for various people have been revealed to them during this time because we've all been forced to sit down. And when you sit still, then you can start to see and reflect and think about things. Right, right. Because my daughter is class of 2021. So even though class of 2020, it happened to them, they still had the whole first part of their year, maybe three quarters Mm -hmm. of this year to be able to do the things of football games and all these different things. But she is in a situation where class of 2021, they've been all over the place, half hybrid, half coming in, then stay home because somebody got sick. It's been really a roller coaster. But the interesting part of it is that she's on the honor roll this year. Hmm. She hadn't been before because of just whatever. There were lots of different stresses and things of the getting up early, the traveling across town and doing whatever she had to do to go to school. So 
but I too have figured out myself as a mom a little bit better. I always work from home, so I'm comfortable in that space. Um, but separating the time when I'm working to when I want to just relax. So I actually had never really binge watched a whole bunch of shows on uh, Netflix before, but I've watched a few different things and then I watch them with my daughter. And I don't know if you all have seen this meme, but the, I mean, this, uh, I think it's a TikTok. It's the funniest thing. Like I had a whole belly laugh. This, my daughter is a bat. She stays in her room. It's sunny outside. She got the curtains down. She stays in there on the phone, on her laptop, and it drives me crazy. But this meme says, I mean, this TikTok says, I'm not, I thought I wasn't your little friend. Why don't you call me Shirley and Miss Barbara? Because now I'm trying to like snuggle. Let's watch All American. You know, let's watch Never Ever Have I Ever or something. Right, right. I can get that touch. Yeah. Because I, you know, we haven't, she's a hugger, I'm a hugger, but that human touch, that isolation, those things, non-sexual touch for couples, right. like we haven't been able to do that because they keep saying to social distance. I think it's a physical distance thing. I don't think it's a social thing because we are social beings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going yeah. against our nature. So what do you right. all have to say about that? Mm -hmm. Well, my experience was a little <laughs> a little different and I think and I don't think that's because I I am certainly a social person um you know you know me Wendy right I, I'm a social person but what I realized about myself is I I am definitely more an introvert that's when, when you said that I raised my hand I said "Ooh." um you know there were certain pieces of the slowdown and the the distancing that I, that I'm not going to say I was okay with but did not, um, I don't know, it, it, it didn't bother me as, as much as some other people, not because I didn't miss social connectedness, but I think because of that opportunity to slow down and recalibrate, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, one thing I, I, when I talk to people, and I know we'll get into this later about um, just strategies and, and how best to cope is what, what I often say is, you know, that whole acceptance and reconciliation of kind of where we are now and what it means and this new routine and what you want to come out of it. And we know that this pandemic, there certainly has been devastation and, and loss, but, you know, what have you learned about yourself? And I've learned, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned that some ways that I was coping, <laughs> no. It, it can't come into this this new way. It, it cannot. It, it was not the best way to cope. It was just how, you know, I happened to be in that moment. So, you know, that was what was important for me was really coming out of this, learning some valuable lessons about myself in addition to, to keeping myself safe and, and all of that. It's use this opportunity to learn what you need to learn about yourself to recalibrate and, 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 you know, adjust and, and, you know, come out of this with that opportunity, you know, you know, what are the things that I've learned? What are the skills that I've picked up? I think, you know, you, Erica, as, as a professional, we certainly have picked up some skills and how we've had to be available to people and in what way and the importance of continuing to take care of ourselves. Would anyone that would tell you that is in 
mental health or behavioral health fields will tell you, that gets lost because we're so used to giving, giving, giving and helping that we get lost in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I really stand hard on is that um, just the concept of remembering who you are at the core, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's easy for us to start out here and right. then all life stuff pile up on and we move further and further and further away from who we are. Then right. the next look up and we're like, what happened? Right. Um, I don't even remember what that looks like. How do I get back um, to that feeling? And I think um, for me, that's where the self-preservation has mm. to do. Um, just speaking on like when you were talking about the concept of um, self-care, Wendy, same like self-preservation, like mm -hmm. it's necessary. Right. Um, it's priority <laughs> over right. anything else. Right. Um, it starts there. It's um, it's really spiritual. Like it has to be. Yes. Because if I can't stay connected um, or have awareness or insight when I'm losing connection with who I am at the core, then I'm, I can be nothing else to anybody. Right. So the ability to even make space and room for right. clients, make space and room for my daughters, my husband, my friends, extended family, all of that. Like I can't do that if I'm not connected and grounded um, to who I am. And so that has been really critical. Um, mm -hmm. This definitely has been a tough adjustment. It hasn't, I've had a, a different tragedy that happened in my life that just completely rocked my world and swept me off my feet that really made me tap into the concept of the feeling to heal journey. So being mm -hmm. able it in some of the pain and things that we're going through, leaning into it. Um, so I think that part is important too, because a lot of times we want to run from or move away mm -hmm. from the that make us uncomfortable, but it's also a good practice to get comfortable with what makes you uncomfortable too. Right. Um, so yeah. I would like to hear some of your tips because I, I got a few different things that came up. But then I also want to, and I'm going to write it down, the leaning in part, girl, because leaning in, <laughs> what you mean? Like, leaning in. Look, listen, and 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 we we are the professionals, but we're, we're people too. So you see, I have my, my, okay, come on in case Erica say something, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I want to know what that looks like. Like, listen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I talk about this concept with clients about flushing out the pain. So mm. what are pain points. What are your pain points right now in your life? What does that look like? And you can look at it as um, like the analogy where we're talking about setting a table and having a plate. What's on your right. plate? Um, right. Things that are on your plate, do all of them need to be there right now? Because mm -hmm. some priorities all mixed up and jumped up and all over the place, right? So what can you take off of there? Um, flush out what are the things that are bringing you pain to your life right now and sit with that for a little bit because Again, it's that avoidance space that is going to keep coming back to us. And a right. lot of it's going to pop up at the most inopportune moment when you're doing something that's non-related to that pain. And then it just shows up and it's just, oh, how did that, how did that get here? Yeah. So the leaning in is, again, moving into that space of being comfortable, what's uncomfortable, because it is part of you. I feel like the most, um, I think I have it on my um, Facebook, the most uh, painful parts of us like cultivate the most beautiful parts of us too. Like mm. it's part of the story. Sometimes we want to be like, ah, I don't want that. But it is part of the story. So can you lean into it? Can you see 
what's what's trying to be revealed to you like what is this pain trying to show you and teach you um take it those parts of it and the other part of the pain flush it away because it doesn't serve you anymore so the leaning into it just really helps with kind of how do I get out of this and not get stuck in this space and just go deeper and deeper into it absolutely absolutely okay so now I you know I know that people deal with pain a little differently you know at the Mm -hmm. end of the day they want comfort Mm-hmm. It comes in many ways. I have been using chocolate chip cookies and pizza as my comfort. <laughs> and I usually don't eat those things. Those are two of my favorites, yeah. all-time favorite, but I'm gluten intolerant. So go figure. Um, but I, I, and I know what it is because I know this. So I know what it is, but I know that I need comfort. And I know that my mom is not here and my other people are not here. My people who usually give me comfort, especially physical comfort and physical mm. touch are not here. So I've been heading to five to wise guys because they're the only ones who got that good New York, New Jersey pizza. Hey. Yeah, I've been getting the gluten-free cookies, which are not really that good, but I'm trying to do good. You know, I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. No longer self-preservation. But I know that people drink it away, smoke it away, like Solange, like sex it away, buy mm-hmm. it away. Um, so I think that that's a good, another good way to approach it would be to lean in because I knew for myself, I mean, I'm, I'm grieving my own situations here. Um, life is changing and whatever, mm-hmm. but I intentionally did not choose some other vices to try to soothe myself because I knew that I was gonna have to um, deal with it at some point. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm gonna stand here, and you know, like you see on TV, you standing on like a rock, and like the water's hitting it, mm-hmm. and everything. I was just gonna have to feel it out, mm-hmm. and that's not easy. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel good, but I felt like it was just something I had to do. Um, so, what do can you- I say? Something. I'm sorry, Wendy. Sure. Can I say something to that though? Because it was sure. something Erica said earlier that that really I think resonates with that is the opportunity to slow down to even recognize that, right? Because if we are in this pace, the pace that we typically were in prior to this, right? You know, that's what we said, you know, our bygone lives prior to this, um, you may have made some different choices, but the opportunity to, to sit in the restfulness, if you will, right? In, in, in our, our having to stop, you had an opportunity to process that a little differently and make some different choices, right? So the whole concept of leaning in, I love that, right? Because you had an opportunity to not fight against what is happening because we have no control. It's an external factor. We have no control. Let me lean in, mm-hmm. take this opportunity that's being forced upon me to make some, to process this a little differently and make some different decisions. So rather than picking up some things that you can identify as your vices, okay, you chose these two things that you still identify as a vice, but maybe not as severe as something else, right? And we all have that. We all have that. Yeah. So people are their own experts. That's yes. Work with a client and said, listen, let me tell you, you're your own expert. Absolutely. To help you to see that. And to pull out and to support you on this journey because a lot of times we know those things are there, but because we can keep moving and shaking, we're like, oh, I don't have time to deal with this. Oh, I'm a dodge. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what we do. But right. this forced, like, uh, be still, 
that's where it's you know came yeah. tumbling. That's where it lies. Yeah. So now we are actually coming up on the year anniversary of the lockdown, mm-hmm. and when everything kind of changed and everybody's lives changed. Some people became gazillionaires. Some people lost their homes. Some mm-hmm. people lost everything, and some people got married and had babies. I mean, there's all different types of things. Right. What right. kind of strategies and because I was listening to this and what made me want to do this show is I knew it, but I heard this show on NPR and the woman who created, I guess, the seven steps of grief, which I don't know how many steps there are. But Five she's to seven, created, yeah. She's the one who created it. But what she said was that the perception was that you go through these steps and you're done. And mm-hmm. she said, that's not what she meant. So she has spent the majority of her career trying to let people know that it comes in waves. Right. It doesn't just stop after you hit the five, the fifth step or whatever. So can we talk about the, um, you know, the the steps of grief? People are grieving all different types of things Mm -hmm. and strategies that you all would give your clients to, or maybe you've had to deal with, with grief. Um, Right. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that. Right. You know, it was a friend of mine, um, Carmen, she's actually, you know, one soror too, that said um, something that just resonated to me um, earlier today. Grief is the new pandemic, right? You know, as we're coming out of this, um, and I want to, you know, give her credit, you know, of saying that, but when she said it, I said, "Ooh, wow. Wow. Right. You know, grief is the new pandemic that we're, that we're having to, to deal with. So, um, you know, and I'm no expert on grief, um, but, you know, five stages that we typically know, right? Um, denial, anger, um, bargaining, despair, acceptance, right? And then I think, you know, there have been some additional stages, five to seven, but you're right. I mean, it, it's fluid and, you know, uh, you it ebbs and flows, right? You can find yourself in a place of acceptance and then something happens or another tragedy or loss happens and then you get kicked back but that's just kind of the nature of life like we go through our life if there's anyone who hasn't experienced loss or grief please tell me what that formula is this is what the old people say just keep living just keep living right just keep living so you know one a couple of things um that i I know when I'm when I'm journaling and processing myself and even when I'm talking to other people that are asked, and I, I wrote things I wanted to be sure, have I accepted where we are now? Okay. We're coming up on the year. Have I really accepted where we are now and what is happening? How am I coping? Am I coping well? Right? Because co- coping is stress management, right? That's our defense. That's how we've managed things. Doesn't necessarily we've been do- mean that we've been doing it well, um, so, but the good thing about that is we can attend to that, mm-hmm. right? If we haven't been coping well, we, we can work through that. That we can deal with. As long as you know that you're not coping well, <laughs> right? We, okay. can, we, can, we can work through that. Okay. Um, is this routine that I'm having to develop now, is it working for me? Is it working for us, you know, my family? What's the one thing that I have more time for now that I didn't before? And, and just want you know, what is something that I've learned about myself 
You can ask this about yourself, your spouse, your children. As Erica said earlier, you know, she learned a lot about herself in her home, outside of her professional self. You know, I've said the same. You've said the same, Wendy. What daily habit um, am I excited to keep up with? For me, and I'm going to start using self-preservation that you said rather than self-care because that's as powerful. I've learned a lot of different ways or better ways for self-preservation. So that's one thing that I want to carry into this, this new um, routine. And it's simple stuff like eating well or eating, yeah. <laughs> drinking water, <Yeah>. sleeping, <laughs> you know, um, getting fresh air, yeah. um, sitting down and exercising, the simple things um, that we think about. Um, you know, I'm, you know, there's a lot that I can add to that list, but I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll let Erica have an opportunity to share. Mm -hmm. So I want to touch um, just briefly on the, on the grief part. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good to, one, just be mindful about, like, how are we navigating the expectations of what it looked like, right? Um, you know, totally love. It all makes sense the um, five to seven stages and all that to get that level of kind of just awareness and insight, but also know that all of that wrapped up is going to look different for every single person, depending upon, you know, what's happening in their world, um, the type of grief that they're experiencing, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to, I use this analogy about an elevator that's out of control, like an out of order elevator where you get up and you're like, yeah, today I'm going to the 12th floor, I'm going to the penthouse. And you push it and you end up on the third floor. And third floor is like, uh, it's all right here. But I, you know, I thought I was going to the penthouse, mm -hmm. but that's where it took you. In that same day, you're like, all right, let's go. We're, you know, we're back in and we're going to the penthouse and we only make it to the 10th floor. Okay, this is what we got, right? So you're just doing it. The next day you, you know, you end up in the basement and you're like, ah, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. so you hit multiple floors, you know, in one day and that's okay. So just kind of changing that narrative about like what your grief is supposed to look and feel like because it's gonna right. look and feel different, right. you know, from every moment. Um in terms of the coping, you know, I'm big on needs assessment. Like, are you mm -hmm. paying attention to what your needs are? Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like? Like right now in this moment, um, because we do have all these moving parts that are happening around us externally, but what can you keep in order for yourself internally? So mm -hmm. if you're looking at, um, you can do needs across the spectrum. So your physical health, your professional mm -hmm. development, your financial growth, your personal desires, your um, spiritual practices, like mm. all things, your emotional needs, they have a trickle down effect. And you want to look at it in the terms of what is the current state of these needs in this particular area? What's your desired change? Mm. And then you want to look at um, why is this change important to me? How will I know personally that it looks like it's getting accomplished? What are three immediate steps, action steps I can take? So it's really kind of just getting down to the nitty gritty, right. but assessment of, can I pay attention to what I need right now in this moment? Cause I might not be able to solve this external factor. I may not be able to, again, that power and control of this stuff that's happening around me, but what I can control is this inner work and these inner things and expectations that I'm holding myself, you know, with. And sometimes that we can step outside of, 
the midst of everything collectively that we're going through on top of regular life, right? Because there's just right. pandemic COVID, but our regular life stuff is still happening, happening. Mm-hmm. right? So that's why I'm like that leaning in piece and doing those needs assessment as really something that you can personalize it to what is working for you. What do you need? Right. And I like the idea, like you said, of prioritizing your needs. Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, is there like a needs assessment or some kind of form that people can just go online and is there like a standard one or does each therapist make up one? Like how can people ask themselves these questions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Um, there's a lot of tools. Erica, I don't know if you have one in particular that you use, um, but there are a lot of apps also. Um, you know, I know we're, we're trying to come away for ourselves and using the word self-care, but there are a lot of self-care apps like Calm, um, Shine, uh, Mend, Headspace. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily, I don't think assessment tools sit in these apps, but it may allow the opportunity to do some self-check-in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A great tool. So what I was, when I was looking to the side, so yeah. in, my, um, in my coaching business, I have a needs assessment that I created that was very structured okay. and built from not just my experience as a mental health therapist and my career as a social worker but then my also my personal experience the loss Mm -hmm. that I went through um in my life that was just mind-blowing so that's how I developed this particular one with these very specific because it was in the middle of what do I know professionally but then also from this personal experience that rocked my world you know what are ways that I I dug myself out of this this space that I was in um, but mindfulness and meditation, I, I will always praise that. I speak strongly on mm-hmm. that because when you are able to get in a space of practicing the various modalities of meditation to find the one that works for you, I think it brings a level of needs assessment within that because there's a lot of inner reflection and inner work that happens with that. So there's the guided meditations, mm-hmm. the silent ones, the ones with music, but no words body scans, breath work. And so it really, it, again, it homes back into that. What are my needs and what are my needs right now in this moment? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, just right now. Yeah. Right. So in addition to your, so those four apps then, because they, they have a lot of what you spoke of. Okay. Headspace, Calm, Mend, and Shine. Those are four that I've referred people Mm -hmm. to. I'll put this in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. I'd also recommend, highly recommend Insight Timer. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. I use that a lot with a lot of my clients. Um, I'm also a meditation teacher on Insight Timer. But the, what I like about it is that you can go in there and really hone it into what works for you. Because when I started meditating like six years ago, I was like, I don't have time to sit down mm-hmm. and sit here and be still and listen to this. <laughs> all that I I just didn't um but it has stuff where you can start at one minute three minutes you can build from there and you can tap into a diversity group of teachers and see what works for you so I like insight timer too that's interesting because I started um meditating with Deepak and Oprah in like 2010 or 2011 and I didn't sleep like I can never still wake but what I realized for myself is that I'm a better movement meditator mm. i'm not mm-hmm. at home sit there i'm a walk through the park 
walk through the water, hiking. Mindfulness. So I yeah. know that about myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that you're right. It doesn't look the same for everybody. And I don't want anybody to get pigeonholed into anything. Just what you, but just what you have both said is that you have to really tune in and say, what do I need right now? Like my mm -hmm. daughter, she ain't trying to walk out nowhere. That's not what mm -hmm. she needs. She mm -hmm. needs to be on the phone, FaceTiming with 10 people. And that's what it makes her feel better and calms her anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We call that mindfulness. You know, it's a property of, you know, a lot of people that, um, that utilize DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, mindfulness mm -hmm. is a big part of that. So we, you know, in our groups, we'll do mindful eating, mindful mm -hmm. walking, yeah. mindful, and you know, so, so people, we, we know what to do for the, for the greater part to yeah. take care of ourselves, right? Like doing the mm -hmm. needs assessment and what we need, we just have to have a moment and opportunity to sit and realize it, to get in tune with that. Do that needs assessment that, that Erica has and really check in right. and, and, and keep that and practice it. But you're doing it. That's one of the things that I started thinking about and trying to practice like in 2015 is when I became aware of this is the being versus doing. Mm. So when you're so busy doing, 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 out and about, running the kids here and there, mm -hmm. now is the time to just be. Right. So I know that there have been a lot of people have come to a lot of awarenesses based on them just having nothing else to do but to be. Right. So one of my um, friends told me that she grieved her father for the first time in 20 years wow. because she hadn't in all those years. And just being in lockdown, she started popping popcorn and he used to do that. And she was like, oh, my God. And just yeah. had a whole meltdown. Yeah. So I yeah. think, you know, like you're saying, this is the time for us to um, really try to unpack what we're feeling because mm -hmm. I also heard on NPR, which is my favorite radio station, is that we are experiencing this kind of like a group trauma and it will sit in our bodies depending on how mm -hmm. we individually decide to process it or not for the next 15, 20 years, like Absolutely. these babies will be the generation Q babies, the quarantine mm -hmm. babies. Mm -hmm. And they will be experiencing things like the World War II babies did. Like my mom is a World War II baby. She liked to hold on to stuff. Yeah. Or like to talk about stuff. It's the silent generation. So each generation, you know, we're Gen Xers. So we were mm -hmm. like the crack and the MTV and the, mm -hmm. the space shuttle blowing up. These things are imprinted into us. And we know epigenetics, it's in the womb. Mm -hmm. These pregnant moms during this time, some of oh, them yeah. are joyful, some of them are not so joyful yeah. because of the unknown. So right. what can we tell even parents on how to keep an eye on their children and make sure that in addition to them getting some self-preservation that they do so for their kids because their kids don't have an idea of what's really going on except for they, they don't feel that good. What do you yeah. think? I having two young girls at home, I say don't discount a child's voice. Children mm -hmm. grieve, but don't discount their voice. Don't underestimate what they see, observe, hear, what they understand and know. Have those conversations with them. Mm -hmm. um, of course, each family and household, they got to do it to the level of comfort for them. Um, being straight up 
is a really good practice and keep it developmental. You know, of course you, everybody knows their child and, and what their capacity is in terms of how much or how little they can handle or how much or how little they should know. Um, but be open to those conversations. Just don't ignore the fact that um, they aren't experiencing the same abrupt change that we're experiencing Yeah. Right. You know, and I'll add to that, let them contribute to what this new normal will be for them, right? Let them weigh in. Our, our, our kids have voice. You know, let them weigh into, um, you know, don't just, I know best as, as parent and let, this is the new routine and this is what we're going to do and not have them to, to have their voice at the table and weigh in on, on what things should look like now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? I know for myself, for my daughter who turned 18 during the pandemic and like I said, who this is her year to graduate, yeah. lots of emotions. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, one day she was just like, I'm not feeling whatever. I'm like, well, open up the daggone curtains because you have control over some things, you know what I'm saying? So control what you can control. You could control getting up out of the bed and getting some vitamin D. Right. Control walking with me into the woods, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, sometimes I have to pull her along and then when she gets out there, she's like, mom, this was great. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) right. well, we've been talking a lot and I've been listening a lot more than I usually do. Cause usually I'm just like, eh, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening because, you know, I, because I study health and because I try to stay current on the, the mind, body, spirit part of it. I heard somebody say that, you know, the teenagers are having a lot of trouble because they don't have control now. Not like we do. I mean, they, you know, they don't even know. We don't know what's happening and we don't have control over it either. We're doing the best we can, but they really don't have any control because they don't have autonomy over anything. And so mm. I've been really trying to listen to her and to try to just let her say what she has to say. And yeah. I've been letting her get out a little bit more. Like she's been able to go to Jersey and do things because I also know that mental health is probably just as dangerous you know, poor mental hygiene is, is as dangerous as COVID. You know right. what I'm saying? So we in here t- doing these vitamin C's, these zincs, and you know, vitamin C's and whatever to try mm-hmm. to make sure that our immunity on all levels is as supported as we can be. And so what do you think about spirituality? I know you were talking about meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about spirituality in whatever way that looks like? For you, right? Talk to your clients about that. Yeah. Um, on my end, I mean, spirituality to me is the equivalent of hope, right? Right. Like, I that hope is one of those those big things that when someone loses hope, Mm -hmm. we're in a dangerous space. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, spirituality is connected to that because you're talking about someone being connected to something that is beyond them. That's beyond Mm -hmm. us. That's beyond sight. Like it is a, a belief that they hope in and that's what they connect to. Um, so, you know, and everyone's spirituality looks different as you said, Mm -hmm. Wendy. And so, um, having that conversation, what does that look like? Um, I think a big part of all of this is that communication piece. Um, so I really like that you said that, you know, you sit with her and talk with her and then also listen, like people want to, seen, heard, and validated. And so I think spirituality ties into that in a big way because people are able to feed into that and get something out of it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not a space that's, you know, off limits. 
um, it's a space that's definitely um, spoken on, you know, when I'm engaging with clients to see what does that look like for them? Right. Uh, are they still in that hopeful space? Just right. touch. Right. And I, I took pause because I, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking back. what I've recognized this year is a lot of people um, really questioning um, their connection um, spiritually, whatever that looks like. Like, mm-hmm. why is this happening? How is this happening? Um, you know, a lot of questioning. Right. And just just allowing the space to be able to process that um, amongst you know, many things um, and, and allow people to, to go through that, that process and, and examine and really unpack and peel that back. But definitely in this year, you know, thinking about in, well, we're in 2021 now, but you know what I mean? 20 coming up on this year of COVID, a lot of uh, spiritual questioning, I guess, if that's the best way to, to phrase it. Um, and even anger, around around that um and um that in itself i mean you know we talked about about grief and and in the stages of that and and recognizing that it's okay to to question and be angry and really look at what this means for you now and Mm -hmm. and you know and then of course you know having to stay home people feeling disconnected from their personal spiritual source Um, you know, again, something about being in person, whatever um, platform you visit, um, a lot of people that being taken away, it's kind of like what now, and even though we can do obviously, you know, zoom (laughs) now, and a lot of people are, you know, watching online or whatever their connection is initially, you know, big shock, right? Cause that, that, that was a loss. Especially for elderly people. Like I'm, oh yeah. Tanika and I are in a sorority, and I can I can imagine that our older sorors oh, yeah. will be hyped to come to that meeting once a week, once a month on a yeah. Saturday. That was the yeah. only probable way that they got some other right. connection. Right. And then in church, how they say, give your neighbor a hug, because that might have been the only hug they got all right. week. Right. So I understand, you know, I do understand that. And I think that's important for us to, um, you know, I think that. Yeah. Yeah, to acknowledge, I know for myself, my spiritual connections have uh, evolved over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And that so too. now I have had to, like, we're face to face with what this is. And I have my own views on what it is. And I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. So I'm pissed off about what's happening. Mm. Like, I'm angry about what's happening. And so I've had to tap into this newer, new being 10 years, this newer way that I identify with spirituality and, um, you know, make sure it, it still works for me. And so I right. even have to ask my daughter, like she's gone through these changes. I'm like, well, what do you believe? Cause I'm not putting on to her what I do. Right. And so now she's having to come up with her own ways that she interacts with spirit to calm herself and to right. give herself some peace and you know, I think that's important too. And so I'm glad that you, you know, use those tools and, and talk mm-hmm. about those things in your session. So now we're going to close. We have a, a question from Tasha Scott. Of all the things you've learned over the past year, what's the one thing you wish you would have known at the beginning of the pandemic? And you can both answer that. 
Ooh, say that one more time. Look, okay. that's my that's my stalling to, to figure and out my answer. Good <laughs> question, Tasha. But she says, of all the things we've learned, mm. uh, what's the one thing we wish we would have known at the beginning of the pandemic? I can answer it while you're trying to figure yeah. it out. I didn't know it was going to last. There's a lot of things. Long. Trying to choose one is. Yeah. I wish I had known it was going to last this long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that my daughter wouldn't have to be in school because we would have been in another country. Yeah. We wouldn't have been here. Yeah. I would have done that on the front end. I'd have been yeah. out of here. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. It for me. That is it, tough. <laughs> um, probably, you know, for me, the biggest pain point of this pandemic is the reveal of myself as a mother mm -hmm. that I had talked about earlier. So, you know, how to better navigate that space. Um yeah, that's the best I can give to that because that, yeah. That's a, that's a tough question. I'm going to I'm gonna have to sit with well, that. We I'm going to take, take that with me. But, I but I can one. say, okay. I'm sorry. We have oh. another question after that, so go ahead. Okay, well, real quickly, um, I would say that the one thing that I, I, I know now that I wish I had learned is that, that I, I have what I need to get through this. Yes. I questioned that initially, but, but I have what I need to get through this we yeah. have what we need to get through this and yeah. everything else yes and it's inside of us yes if we listen and i am on yeah. that same lesson i don't repeat that lesson i'm on the, like the 27th iteration right <laughs> so i'm trying to get it so my elementary school friend darren Edmonds says he thinks a lot of us have more time and opportunities to read listen mm -hmm. watch videos podcasts and because now we've been exposed to other sources, we're learning history, we're learning religious mm -hmm. origins, and he says we're having a great show. So thank you, Darren, for, thank for you. watching with us. Um, yeah, I think there's a, I, I, we've been in a COVID university. Yeah. Learning ourselves, learning our family structures, learning our work structures, yeah. learning what works and what doesn't work. You're right. So mm -hmm. yeah, I believe that. So now, um, the last question for you is, what do you do for your care? And because I know that I'm looking for a therapist. I don't mm -hmm. even have insurance and I'm looking for a therapist. I have done therapy in several iterations over the years, but like I was telling you all in the beginning, I um, have a lot of tools mm -hmm. and, I had a lot of and I have a lot of tools in this pandemic, but because I've been pulling all them joints out, <laughs> they're kind of dulling now. They're a little bit dull, right? Right. So now I'm having to resharpen and to get some new tools to add to the kit. Um, and so in that, I am hearing that therapists, it's harder to find therapists because yeah. you all have been so inundated, which is probably why I haven't found one yet. Yeah. Um, so inundated with nobody's taking any new clients. Yeah. So now one, what are you doing for yourselves? Because you're taking all of this in all the time. Mm. What are your routines to release these other people's stuff? That's one. And then two, you know, do you, I know Erica, you said you take clients. I know Tamika, you might be taking clients soon at mm -hmm. some point. Mm -hmm. You know, how do people get in touch with you? And, um, you know, what are you doing for your care? Because that's important. And, and like also what is the, 
what what are you all saying to each other? Like y'all, we stressed out. Like, what is the community, the therapy <laughs> community, saying to each other? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you're you hit a nail on the head because I've been looking for a therapist. Okay, because <laughs> therapy therapist too. And I am in. Books. I'm currently at capacity. Like it's it is like that demand is insane and it's um you know, here recently I had to close the books on being able to take anyone else. And I've had a couple that I've still seeped in and it's a bit heartbreaking. Like, uh, I know that the need is there, but just at capacity. So one, knowing your limits, knowing when like, okay, I, I need to be able to make space. Um, and I think for me, when I find myself getting just super irritated, annoyed, frustrated, it's because I haven't had enough time and space for myself. So I have to big, I have to incorporate spaces and moments for myself in order for me to continue to make space um, for others and all of the others, you know, clients, the kids, family, all of that stuff. So it's, it's just really crucial about making space and whatever that space um looks like um for tonight for example it was let me leave my house and come to my girlfriend's spot as i call it the sex in the city pad where i can have some peace and quiet and be able to disconnect so yeah you know it's it's really <laughs> making making that space um yeah so that's right yeah same i think you know one thing i um that's been important for me using peer resources. So that's, that's been, cause I sit in a lot of different settings, right? So, and then I'm trying to even launch my own setting because the need is growing so much in the community. And, um, you know, I feel some responsibility around that. So I'm trying to, you know, build my net, my networks. Like I definitely will hang on. I'm already, already familiar with a practice that you're with, but, you know, building my network so that I can refer out to, to people when I can't take them on. But one thing mm-hmm. for myself um, that's important, and, you know, we can go through the whole, we've mentioned a few things in terms of self-care, but energy management has been mm-hmm. so important for me. And it's along the same lines, as you said, but um, I'm involved in a lot. So what helps me with my own energy management so that I can then do all the things that I want to do and have time for me is, is blocking. I am mm-hmm. a time blocker and I block time, including my off the grid moments. Mm-hmm. I will block out naps. Mm-hmm. I will block out just time to stare at the wall if I need to. <laughs> and that's okay. And I used to feel so guilty about that. I used to feel so guilty about not being available to everyone and everything. So now what's important to me is energy management and blocking out time for the things that I need to do, my responsibilities, but also responsibilities to myself. Yeah. I, I love that you said energy management. I just wanted to add real quick that yeah. it's so important. And even like the energy in terms of content that we take right. in. Right. Time. So what we're reading, what we're listening to, who we're sharing space with and who we right. have in like all of those things in terms of energy management I think is definitely crucial during this oh the news yeah yeah I don't that and I mean I think always during the during this situation and then specifically when it came to the persistent racism that we've been seeing Mm. in the election cycle right that diet 
of that steady diet of that is traumatizing. And right. I'm telling people, you're re-traumatizing yourself. You have right. control over watching that. So never call me talking about, did you see you? No, because I will be the one who didn't watch it because that's me controlling my energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, block, I, I will block my news time. Yeah, because I want, you know, I want to stay informed to a certain degree. So I'm like, okay, here is the block of time that I can tolerate taking that in. And it's typically not right after work. You know, I know the times where I have the capacity to hear that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's another valuable lesson that I learned this year is that I, I schedule wise, I'm like, Ooh, wow. I was really piling some things on and I didn't have the capacity for those things mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally in that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Something about this has got to change. Well, if you have an iPhone, you know, they have that it manages how long you've been on social media yeah. and how long yeah. you've been on all these different things. Right. And um, so I started only giving myself a three hour limit between all of the three um, things and I have a class every night for an hour. So half the time, that's that's a part of the hour. Yeah. So I have to really be careful, but it'll shut you down. It'll yeah. allow you to go outside of it. But if it shuts you down, then I'm like, then I don't need to be on it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Besides you posting for work or posting mm-hmm. for whatever you have to do. Ha- um, have you all heard of the NAP ministry? Do you follow the NAP ministry on Instagram? Mm-mm. I feel like to. I do. It's like every Black woman. Yes. Every black person, you must follow the The nap nap ministry. But that daggone algorithm, I barely see anything. So I'm gonna have to fix that. (laughs) That ministry, because it talks about how, you know, we are still colonized. And so our brain is to do, 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 do. Even in the pandemic, black mama Mm. still trying to make everything happen. Right. And taking naps. And those things are also a part of revolution because we're not going out there, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not fighting the power anymore. I did that in the 80s. I'm not going out walking. But I know that joy and being out in nature and those types of things are also revolutionary. They're also immune boosting. Mm -hmm. So these are in naps. That's the way the body heals. If you're not sleeping, your body's not healing. Right. So the nap ministry is a good way to decolonize yourself from the hustle and grind mentality. The lady who runs it, I forget her name. She is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I follow her and I look almost every day to remind myself and almost to give myself permission. I'm not a big napper anyway, but to rest, to rest, yeah, to rest because that goes a long way in mental health and supporting our mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I want to take your last words and then I'll let you go. Yeah. You know, meet you are, you know, to anybody that's, you know, watching and listening, just meet yourself where you are. This, um, I think this is just one of those things that we really, you know, I'm very consistent in the things that I say, the power control, the external may be out of control, but you can control the internal and tap into that tap into the different, um, the resources. I'm going to check out the nap ministry page, um, tap into those things. Um, there is a, I just want to shout out someone on um, self-care at 40 blog. Um, it's really, really good as well. Um, you said self-care at 40. Yeah. Self-care at 40, some very practical, just, um, tips mm-hmm. on self-care, self-preservation, just, right. just all. Maybe um, we need to do the self-care at 50 blog because I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, people pay attention to your needs, lean into that, be easy on yourself. You're right. You know, beautifully said, I don't even know that I, there's anything that I can, you know, add to that. Um, Be easy with yourself, be kind with yourself. However, that, that looks like right now, you know, you may be packaged a little differently than you were before mid-March of last year, and that's okay, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, be forgiving, you know, of yourself, um, set your own, you know, expectations of what that looked like, you know, be okay with saying no, be okay with saying yes, just whatever it is, whatever it is, you, you be okay with that, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, again, I don't even, beautifully said, I don't even think I can add anything more to that but just take care of yourself so what i'd like to end with uh well my friend darren is saying that he definitely has a, a, a time of social limit he limits his social um mm. media and how people access him he's also a pastor so he's pouring into other people but mental health is a priority and his wife knows that he needs a certain amount of time every day to wind down so i think that's important i think just communicating with the people who are in your home right you know about what you need and if you could think of your body, you know, this is to everybody. If you can think of your body as a tape recorder, yeah, it is recording all of your emotions and your conscious and your subconscious, mm-hmm. your body, all your organs are absorbing all of these things we're feeling. It absorbs the good and the bad. Right. So, can I add one thing to that? Sure. Set your, set your, your office hours. That's one thing that I had to do for, for many of my responsibilities. I had to set my offers up, the downtime, the off the grid moments. But in, in that evening, once I have done my day and all the extra stuff that I do after, everyone who I think knows me now, they're used to not hearing from me after a certain point. Yeah. Even, you know, because it's, it was, I, I have to have that, that down, that downtime. Yeah. You know, of self-care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's important boundaries. boundaries. Yeah, healthy boundaries. Yeah. And, um, but just making sure that, because when we don't, like historically Black women haven't been able to set their own boundaries in all different right. ways. You know, right. everybody hasn't had that privilege, especially right. if they're a spouse and a mom and, and, and mm-hmm. a worker and all those things. Right. So your body is really a tape recorder. It's recording the things you say to yourself out loud, the things you're feeling, and then right. the, things, the energy that's coming towards you, negative and positive. And though it might not feel like it's affecting you now, the body keeps the score. And yeah. then pull up the score sheet in front of your face later. So think about you keep going and you're, you're doing your credit card, credit card, but that bill comes eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to do that with all this Zooming. And so, yeah. And so just... <laughs> be really careful and use all these tips. It's going to take me probably another day to add in all the notes that I wanted to. Um, Tamika, if you can send me some of the notes and Eric, if you can send me some of the information and I'll put a few things in, but you need to watch the show because we we did a a good job of laying it all out. I want to thank you all for coming, Erica and Tamika. Thank you, Tamika, for helping me (laughs) co-produce. Like I said, Tamika is the only person on the planet who's listened to all my shows twice. So I appreciate I you. Do. I do. And she read my book and she talked about my book. So thank you I so do. much. Thank you so much. So we will let you all go and enjoy the rest of your evening, what's left of it. And I will see you next time in the same yes, Peace yeah. out.
Thank you, Wendy. Thank you.